In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was growing up in the Southern Baptist Church, there was a gospel song that we sang from time to time, which left an impression on me. The first stanza said this, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. That text by Ginny Evelyn Hussey always bothered me. It wasn't the sentimental nature of the text. It wasn't even the passion-tied themes that worked through the text with snapshots of Gethsemane's garden or stone-cold tombs. It was the very first word of that text, king. I didn't know what to make of Jesus being king. I was all right with Jesus being a friend, and what a friend. I was comfortable with Jesus being the great physician who now is near. Jesus as a redeemer, intercessor, those seemed natural. I could easily say that Jesus is Lord, but I couldn't really identify with Jesus as King. Some of it may have had to do with the antiquated nature of the word. It may be that I had images of Jesus dressed like one of the notable kings of England or as an Arthurian character. And King meant something even at a young age, that disturbed me. Jesus being king of my life meant that Jesus ruled my life. And I suspect that this is a problem that many of us have, especially people being citizens of the United States of America. We have a history that includes overthrowing a king whose rule and taxation we found to be oppressive. When, after the American Revolution was fought and we began setting up a government, a Republican form of government, we decided to do away with kings and queens, with nobility, and instead to elect every member of our government. No House of Lords, but a Senate. No monarch, but a president. We have a choice as a nation in who governs us, who holds office, and to a certain extent, who are our judges. Today we celebrate the feast of Christ the King. Some places add King of the Universe to the title. It means something for us to say that Christ is King. And it means something for the now, for the present age that we live in. Christ being king is not something that we look forward to in the future, but it is something that is a present reality now. Our blessed Lord is known by several titles in the New Testament, but the one that is used more than any other is Messiah. Messiah is a Hebrew word meaning the anointed one. When we use the word Christ, as in we believe in one Lord, 
Jesus Christ, we are using the Greek word Christos, which is a translation of Messiah. As king of Israel, someone like King David, that person was anointed by the prophets or priests and became the Messiah. As the anointed one, the Messiah, the king, was supposed to bring the rule of Yahweh, which included the judgment and justice of God to the nation of Israel. Someone being the Messiah was as close to being a king as we would recognize. When we read through the New Testament, both the gospel writers and the writers of the epistles point to Jesus as the Messiah, the Christos, the son of David, the rightful ruler of Israel, and the person who would bring God's justice to the world. This is why the Gospel of Matthew begins with a genealogy of Jesus from Abraham through David, then through, from David's sons until the Babylonian exile, and from the restoration of the nation until Jesus was born of Mary whose husband was Joseph, a distant son of David. It is about establishing Messiah Jesus' credentials as a son of David, the son of a king, the true and rightful Messiah. In our gospel lesson this morning, we have a portion of the dialogue between Jesus, the king of the Jews, and Pontius Pilate, the governor of the Roman province of Judea and representative of Caesar. And in some ways, the whole dialogue becomes a trial within a trial. Jesus is on trial, brought by the leaders of the temple who wish to see him executed. And Pilate is on trial, both by Jesus and by the mob who declare that if he doesn't order Jesus' crucifixion, then he is no friend of the emperor, for which he could lose not just his title and status, but Pilate himself could lose his life. Most of this conversation centers on what a kingdom is and what kingship looks like. When we talk about Christ being king, being the Messiah who comes to set his people free, we need to always understand that we are not talking about some future event. When we pray, as we will in a few minutes, the Lord's Prayer, and we pray, Thy kingdom come, we don't mean tomorrow or next year. We mean right now, here in the present. One of the ways that St. John the Evangelist conveys this idea of kingship is through the passion and death. Jesus on the cross is where his kingship is validated. The cross is his earthly throne. And from that throne is where he judges the world and restores creation to what it should be. But also on that wooden throne, Jesus restores us. 
Jesus makes a sacrifice of himself for us and for our salvation. Messiah Jesus, King Jesus, has already conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. So when we speak of the kingdom of God, or when we say that Jesus is king of the universe, or even king of my life, what do we actually mean? St. Paul gives us an indication in several of his letters that when Jesus died upon the cross, the world was delivered from the present evil age. A new era, a new creation was started and set into motion. And the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Day is the proof of that new creation. So we live on the cusp of the present evil age, which is still lingering in this world, and the new creation, which is being ushered in. The battle is already won, and Jesus has indeed achieved his victory and taken his seat now on his heavenly throne, which is what we celebrate on Ascension Day. And, and from that throne, Jesus reigns over heaven and earth and the cosmos and the universe, over all space, time, and matter. It is the marvelous truth that Georg Friedrich Handel's chorus from the middle of Messiah, the famous hallelujah, when the choir sings, the kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, taken straight from the book of Revelation. Anglicans, particularly the Church of England and Methodists around the world, used to celebrate a liturgical season called Kingdom Tide. It was usually, depending on where you were, of course, it was usually celebrated from the Sunday after Pentecost until today. We now say that it is however many Sundays after Pentecost. Today would be 26th. I wonder if we've lost something in changing the name from Kingdom Tide. The theological and liturgical symbolism of saying that we are now in the kingdom and should be striving to do work for the kingdom is rich. And I think we can learn much from that wording. So, if Jesus is indeed king, and if we are living in this new creation, while the old present evil age is still working itself out, then what are we to do? What does it look like to be under the rule, under the authority of not just any king, but under the rule and authority of Jesus, the Messiah? What does it look like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? 
our blessed Lord and Savior reigns in heaven. And from that throne, he speaks to those of us who claim him as their Lord to go and do his work in this world. What was the work of Jesus? It was to heal and to teach. It was to feed the hungry and give hope to the oppressed. It was to forgive sins and restore those shunned by their communities. The gospel stories of Jesus are not just nice stories about a wandering first century Jew in Palestine. The stories are there to teach us how to be more like our king and to show us what we are to do. We are called to do everything which Jesus did. And he told his disciples during his final hours that the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. We are to heal and teach. We are to feed the hungry and to give hope. We are to forgive each other's sins and restore people into community. Because we are subjects of the king of the cosmos, we are to do these things and to do yet greater things still. In a few minutes, we are going to invite you to come forward during the offertory and to bring your pledge cards. Yes, we must balance our books. And yes, we as the vestry and clergy must keep sound financial records. And yes, we must keep the lights on in here. But more importantly, we need to commit ourselves, all of us together, to being good citizens of the kingdom. Yes, money helps us achieve those goals that we want to accomplish in Jesus' name. But so does your service to Jesus, the Messiah, in small but powerful ways. If it would help you, I invite you to write on your pledge card how you feel called to also serve our Lord, either in this church or in the community. One final thought. As I matured as a Christian, my attitude about Jesus being king matured as well. Through all of my reading, all of my studying, conversations with priests and ministers, all of my prayers, I learned that there is really no other way to be a Christian than to let Jesus be king of your life. It isn't always easy. Jesus never promised 
that it would be. But it is the only way, the only true way to live in this world. So now, when I hear or think about that old gospel hymn, I can sing and say with conviction, King of my life, I crown thee now. One thing that Miss Huzzy got terribly right was when we do forget, lest I forget thy love for me, it leads back to Calvary, where a wooden cross became the throne of the King of the universe, and Jesus, our blessed Savior, reigned as Messiah of all creation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.